1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Alex Kennedy podcast, which is brought to you by basketballnews.com. This is episode number 28, and we're back to posting new episodes every week. So make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, I'm joined by one of the top NBA trainers who helped create the player development space. He's trained a bunch of stars over the years, including Kevin Garnett, Chauncey Billups, Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Tyrese Halliburton, and many others. He's also the founder of Impact Basketball, and you can find more information about Impact Basketball at impactbball.com. My guest is the great Joe Bunasar. Joe, thanks for joining me. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Alex. All's going well.
1: I appreciate you doing this. Uh, I'm always excited to pick your brain. Now, you're someone that has been in this player development space from the very start. We were just talking about it. I don't think people realize that, uh, you know, back when you got your start, player development wasn't a common term. You didn't have coaches dedicated to player development on NBA staffs. You didn't have players hiring their own offseason trainers. What was it like in the very beginning when you kind of entered this space and were kind of you know, chopping things down with a machete, trying to create this player development space.
0: Yeah. You know, I was just talking about this with Al Harrington, who, you know, we share an office in LA. Um, and Al, of course, was, was my first, one of my first guys along with Ty Liu, um that came and and we just started working out. And I think when we started working out, Alex, it wasn't even called player development. It was just, we didn't even know what we were doing, you know? So that was in 1998 getting Al ready for the draft. Uh, I had finished coaching at the university of Wyoming in 97. And then, you know guys a couple of agents said hey we need you to work some guys out so at that time there weren't any player development staffs you know guys say oh I'm in the player development staff here or there that, that just didn't exist you know so NBA franchises basically had a head coach three assistants a trainer uh, and a strength coach and that was their staff and and I actually had contracts early with with Indiana with Toronto uh, with ton- with maybe five or six teams to come and actually train their players in the summer so you know fast forward to today and there's probably a coach for every player so when we first started you know guys like Chauncey and KG I mean they when they their last game they just showed back up in training camp you know and and uh, their their front office people were you know I remember having conversations with Joe Dumars uh, back when Tayshaun and Chauncey were in the in the heyday in Detroit and I remember arguing with Joe because they didn't want to pay for uh, for Tayshaun and Chauncey's uh, summer training. And he said, you know, when I played, you know, that's even back before what we're talking about now. He's like, you know, we just did it ourselves. And why would I pay for a guy to get himself better in the summer? You know, it was just hmm. it was just such a different deal, you know, and, and I, of course, argued with Joe on the players behalf. I said, no, but you're making an investment into them um and it was just a different concept you know like the season ended and then the guys would show up and whoever showed up at training camp ready to go would be played you know would play and they'd be ready to go but there was no sports science you know now you're looking at the NBA and I, and I'm not certainly not saying it's it's not a good thing but i mean there was no when al harrington hurt his hurt his back and had surgery um uh, in indiana early you know we had to bring in an outside physical therapist you know to to do his rehab in the pacers locker room so you know, Dr. Kunkel, who's uh, actually one of my business partners on, on another uh, venture, who is their team orthopedic. We still talk about how we talked to Dr. Kunkel and said we need we need a physical therapist to come in. So we hired uh, um, a woman named Julie Bender, who I think actually went to work for the Pacers after that. But yeah, she was coming into the arena every day to rehab Al. They didn't even have, they had David Craig, the trainer, and then Bill um, Billy, the the strength coach, and that was it. So that was you know early two thousands, late nineties, but. Nowadays, of course, you, you fast forward and you have so many different coaches, um, a whole staff dedicated toward player development where they don't even have to worry about game scouts and preps and, you know, who's, w- defensive schemes and all that. That's a whole separate staff. So certainly come a long way, come a long way with technology, um, with video, not only video technology, but wearables and, you know, tracking You know, everybody coming from that era will joke about, you know, load management and all that kind of stuff. I mean, Chauncey and Tayshaun and KG, they – in Lu, they never missed a day of five-on-five in the summer. You know, nowadays, guys aren't playing as much in the summer because they're load managing, you know, based on what the length of the season or their length of their career. And back then, it was – you just played every day and you did it. So, I I think that the science has has gotten better, but it's also gotten – Maybe a little overly complicated, but it's way different, Alex, today than, than it was. You know, every team now, for us in the summertime, we're working uh, with player development staffs in the NBA. You know, if a guy's with us for whatever two months or one month or three months, then we're communicating with them all the time. They're sending coaches in and out. Um, their strength coach talking to our strength coach. It's a much more uh, integrated uh, development thing than it used to be, for sure. And especially with the with the you know, uh, I guess the popularity or the the way the g league has built steam you know with being able to have a guy down there and build him up through the g league so yeah it's a different deal there's there's a million trainers and you know i joke with tim grover all the time is that like, it was either they were going to tim or going to me back in, in early 2000s and we used to we used to want to have a, a a game every year you know the chicago guys against the for me it was of course you know florida first and at img and then out in Vegas. So. It was like an annual, uh, annual event that we'd try to bring them together and, and play against each other to have some fun. But yeah, it's come a long way.
1: That's amazing. So obviously, yeah, it's it's these days now, it's crazy. But at what point did it start to kind of pick up and did player development kind of become this booming industry? Because from the point that it started to where we are today, like, you know, do you remember at what point in time it started to pick up and and you saw more guys hiring off-season trainers and more teams figuring it out like when did that uh light bulb go off where everyone started kind of realizing hey this is important this is the future
0: I think you know I don't remember the exact year but I think that like it's really been the last six or seven years you know that it's become so much bigger of a deal because if you look at when you know like when Tayshaun Chauncey and those guys retired which is now going on you know five six seven years ago that they played uh like 2010 to 2014 in that range. I mean, they were still, it still wasn't, I I would really say from 2013, 14, 15, and then it's built ever since, you know, and it's really a, you know, you started to get a little bit more technologically advanced with, with statistics, analytics, and uh, data, you know, not, not, not so much, you know, data in terms of force plate technology and uh, the different things that we're using to measure wearables that are measuring force load on muscles and, weaknesses and being able to detect weaknesses and muscles. I think it's been the last 10 years that, that that's really come up. And then, I mean, if you look at a, it, at a staff, you know, today, and compare it to a staff and say, just say 2015, yeah. I think you'll see a lot more people on the staff.
1: One thing that you mentioned is, you know, back with KG and and Chauncey, those guys played every single day. And and that was always what Impact was famous for. Like, you would show up and you never know what kind of amazing pickup game you're going to see. You guys also had that lockout league. Uh, I, I think people just don't realize that, Um, there's these games happening where you could have multiple Hall of Fame players competing. Uh, It's what makes Impact so much fun, I think. You know, I always love showing up there and seeing the pickup games. But one thing I've heard from players that are coming up today is that they don't love playing pickup as much and they don't really... They don't play as often like uh, Jamal Crawford. I was talking to him about it and he was saying he doesn't understand why today's younger players, uh, they just do their drills and they really go home. There's not a whole lot of pickup. And he thinks that, you know, that's an important piece that's missing because guys don't get to play the games and, and try it. Basically, he said, unless the a game is on a schedule, the guys won't play it. Have you noticed that working with younger players and today's players that they don't want to play pickup as much and that the approach is a bit different?
0: Absolutely, yeah. It's way different, and and if you go back even further to like the Dumars era and those guys, I mean, that's all they did was play pickup ball in the summer. You know, they didn't train, they didn't put up a million jump shots. Honestly, Alex, it's it's. I get upset. You can ask my staff. Like we don't. When when my staff asks one of our players, "Hey, are you playing today?" I said, "Don't ask them that anymore. They're they're playing. That's part of the training program." Because I really firmly believe. Now, if somebody's hurt or whatever, I totally get it, but you have to play to get better, you know, and it's, a, yeah, you can do drills, and, you know, we, if you look at all, some of our materials, and, you know, we have stayed pretty, I guess, simple, you know, we're not into all the different, you know, gimmicks and different things like that, and it's really about you know, footwork, jump shots, and then applying all that while you're playing five on five. So, yeah, it's, it's extremely annoying to me, you know, kind of as an old school guy. I don't like to think of myself as old, but I guess mm-hmm. I'm getting there. But it's a, it's it's absolutely amazing. It's like, how do you think you're going to get better if you don't play? You know, so, you know, I'll give you a great example is is Josh Green, you know, for Dallas, who's one of my great, you know, great kid, great, going to be a very good player. And, you know, Josh didn't play a lot as a rookie. Um, he ended up going to just simply because, he, you know, the Mavericks, you know, their team, veteran team, rookie guy playing for Coach Carlisle, that's a a different deal. And they're deep. So last summer, he played for Team Australia, got a bronze medal, which is an amazing thing, but didn't play a ton of minutes. You know, so when he came back to us after the Olympics, I mean, my most critical thing with him is playing, you know, because now you're going on Almost 16 months without playing because remember, Josh was in the in the crazy draft here where the season got canceled with COVID and then the draft wasn't until Thanksgiving, right? So he went from you know really his last game at Arizona through almost 18 months, you know, without really playing basketball. And and again, because The Mavericks, uh, uh, you know, during the season, there were so many COVID restrictions, you know, it wasn't usually the teams play a little bit more with their guys who aren't, you know, he wasn't really able to go. He went down to the bubble for six games or something like that to the G League bubble just to get some experience. So I believe that they have to play. You know, I believe that the best players do play. um, And I believe that it has to be a careful combination of skill development, strength training uh, and, and. You have so much talk today about the mental side of the game. And I just don't understand how you develop your mental side when you're not playing, because anybody can develop their mental approach to training. You know, it's just it's it's a controlled environment. It's the trainer telling you what to do, but how do you react in a real game or even in a pickup game? And the benefit of impact, as as you know, as you just mentioned, is the games are good, right? So you're not going in there and playing, you know, with two high school kids and picking up this guy and this guy's trying to, you know get himself a 10 day contract, you know, or, or go at, you know, Kyle Lowry because he thinks he, you know, got passed up in the draft. So (laughs) the beauty of our situation is it's controlled with good players. You know, even our guys like Tremel Darden and guys that have been there. I mean, those guys are Euro league players, right? So you're now creating a safe environment for them to play with guys who know how to play. But yeah, the the whole, you know, coaches say all the time, like, you know, mentally he needs to do this. He needs to do that. I said, well, how how is he going to do that if he doesn't play? So we used to take Alex, you know, you, you remember these days when you were younger is that when Al Harrington was young, he was on the veteran pacers with Reggie Miller, Mark Jackson, Dale Davis, Antonio Davis, Rick Smiths. he didn't get a lot of minutes. So what I would do is I'd bring Al in, and I'd bring Ty and Ty Lou and, and, and we, who wasn't playing a ton early either. And we'd have them play with the rookies, you know, like with the younger guys. So they'd be second year NBA guys and they'd shift themselves from, you know, a role player standing in the corner. Uh, to, you know, someone who is now kind of the best player on the floor, yeah. right? So it really, that is player development. You know what I mean? Like that's really saying, okay, Al, you want to play minutes. You know, like I said to Josh Green, okay, you haven't played, let's let's play. You know, yeah. let's play. And, and actually Josh just went down to the D League to play a game the other day and, and had 20 points, you know, so it's just a very valuable experience. So to answer, long answer to your question, I, I am surprised, but again, you have so many scientific people telling these guys, "Oh, watch your load, don't do this." If if Chauncey Billups and KG had a workout and a game, and they were going to skip one of them, they'd skip the workout, not the game. <laughs> you know, nowadays,
1: well yeah,
0: guys, you know, these guys will be like, "No, I'll get my workout in, but I'm not going to play today." I'm like, "Huh?" You know what I mean? So it's like, why would you not play? Now maybe maybe I'd say, "I'm okay, my legs are tired, or my Achilles hurts, or something." I get that, but. Yes, I'm very surprised. And I think that me as a teacher, as someone who develops players, I can do so much more when you're playing than I can in a drill. You know, I can really coach you and help you and, and help you understand. So that's one thing we love about impact. There's always a game every day. You know, that's that's a good thing. And, and the guys still are playing, um, the guys that are out there. And, you know, now I have a good group of young guys. You know, when you have 10 guys that are all 35, you know, you're not going to get the same energy out of the run and those guys are kind of controlling their load a little bit which i don't blame them but now you got these 19 20 21 year olds in there i mean we're playing you know and that's the way we're going to do it every day
1: i'm curious uh we talked about you know where player development came from and everything what do you think is the future of player development what are some things that you have your eye on as you know we kind of continue going forward uh with with how crazy it's gotten and how much advancement there's been in the last you know, five, 10 years, I can't even imagine what it's going to look like a decade or two from now. What are some things that, you know, people should keep an eye on or what the future of player development could look like?
0: Yeah, I think that, um, you know, we always say, I hope, I hope that player development does simplify a little bit. I hope it doesn't continue to get more complicated because anyone who knows basketball will tell you it's not hard to watch a game and figure out what a guy needs to do. You know, your footwork's off, you're off balance. There's, there's, basketball is not that complicated of a technical sport. You know, there's only so many ways you can shoot a jump shot and so many spots you're going to get it from. I think, Alex, one of the big trends is that, you know, with the way the game is changing, of course, you're seeing a lot more focus on shooting, right? So I I mentioned guys like Antonio Davis. I mean, even Jermaine O'Neal, who is, you know, X amount of time all-star. Jermaine never shot threes, you know, and and Jermaine was just dominating in the post. So I think the player development is going to match the way the game's going which is why you're seeing, you know, if you go to any workout, you're seeing six, 10 kids shooting threes, you know, the whole workout. So the other thing with player development I think is is interesting is, you know, the more technology that comes in, it's good and bad. You know, I find it to be very useful information when we're looking at not only statistics, which are pretty easy to look at, but you know, all the wearables and different things we've gone through it all, you know, being at impact, we've had companies come to us and say, Hey, try this. Hey, try that. And I'm always willing to try, but we've got to figure out what actually helps the players get better. And and that is just time in the gym, you know, and playing, you know, the two things i say. So I hope that player development kind of simplifies a little bit. Um, You know, the the, the issue is if you have so many trainers um, and, you know, whether they're good, bad or whatever, not, not mine to say, or, or, or even an issue, people are trying to differentiate themselves. So the more you're trying to differentiate yourself, the more, you know, gimmicks i would say you would come up with well he's the guy who does this he's the guy who does that and you know go back and ask the joe dumars and the and the kevin McHales and the guys who you know it's not that complicated you know i mean if you if you watch you know great players play what are they doing i mean there's only what one guy in every team maybe that dribbles the ball a ton you know maybe two in certain situations the rest are attacking closeouts making shots and you know finishing in transition so I hope it gets simplified you know we've really simplified our approach these past couple years because you know if you're not one of the primary ball handlers in the league I mean you're 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 shooting threes you know And, and if you're not shooting threes you're getting into the paint and making a play so you're attacking a closeout right you're either open and you shoot it or someone's closing out on you and you attack and you have to be able to make a play in that regard so the drills almost become boring so I think more tech. The technology is crazy. You know, the, there's stuff that measures your arc on your shot. You know, there's stuff that counts everything you do and your foot, your how many miles you run in a game, and all that kind of thing. So, I would think that that information will still keep you know progressing and maybe getting a little more complicated. But I'm hoping that player development kind of simplifies back to the, the simplicity of the game.
1: Yeah. Well said so many of your guys that you've you know trained over the years are now becoming coaches, guys like Chauncey Billups, you know, Ty Lue's already been a coach, Jared Dudley uh, is now at Dallas, Willie Green. You've had so many guys that have kind of uh, graduated and now they're leading franchise of their, of their own and kind of passing on some of the things that you taught them. And, uh, you know, how nice is it, first of all, to know that Impact's way of doing things and, and some of those are, are being passed on now from, you know, you know players that are now coaches. And uh, what is it like having so many of these guys around the league and seeing so many of your former players become coaches.
0: It's, uh, it's great. It's really great to see him. You know, we, we go back into, you know, into teams' video rooms. And, you know, I talked to a guy, Andrew Gauthier, yesterday, who's a video guy in, in San Antonio, who was an intern for us. You know, we, you, you know all of our interns, too. You hung around a little bit, how many guys we have. In Patrick O'Brien, former lottery pick now, working for Portland in the video room with Chauncey. And uh, Torian Green, who I coached at IMG, who was our first point guard uh, on our one of our early teams at IMG now with the Bulls, you know, and Torian worked for me in the summertime. So yeah, I think, you know, we talked earlier about Tayshaun Prince being in the front office and other guys in the front office um, that we've known. It's cool to have kind of our family tree out there in the NBA and, and coaching now instead of playing. But, um, you know, I, I think those guys are, you said, how does it make me feel? It makes me feel old for one thing, you know, when I go <laughs> to a game and uh, I sit with guys that were, you know, that I trained when they're, we were both in our 20s together i guess and now i'm sitting there talking to him on business uh, matters that i'm thinking wow you you actually coach this team you know what i mean it's a <laughs> it's a strange thing so but those guys i mean look they've one of the bonuses we have alex and, and any trainer will tell you this is that if if we have guys at impact they're they're training with us because they want to be you know so they're students of the game they're they're hard workers they're you know they're they're people that are you know committed to what they're doing so that's why they've become good coaches because the guys who weren't they wouldn't have come and spent their summers training with us you know that's kind of the, the, the I guess a fair way to put it right they would have done the minimal of what they needed to do and they would have done it that way so I think it's been really cool to see those guys and and I love watching it now it gives me more reason to watch games play and I give them you know I make play comments on plays and they tell me to shut up and all that kind of stuff it's great so it's really cool. <laughs>
1: It makes sense, too, because, like, you know, the guys we mentioned, Chauncey, Jared, Willie, those were those guys that, you know, you would see if you were at impact, you would see them pulling aside the pre-draft guys and pulling aside different people and like helping them. So, you know, they, they were already doing some of those things that even when they were, you know, still playing, they were passing on different lessons and, you know, they showed the potential of being a really good coach. So now to see them actually take those jobs and and have success in them, it's, it's been pretty cool to see. Um, I want to go through some of the players that, you know, you've worked with in, in recent years and kind of talk about, uh you know, what you did with them this past off season. Uh, what you've seen from them in the first month of this season uh, and kind of just break down some of these guys. Kyle Lowry is the first one, you know, obviously one of the biggest names uh, available in the off season, goes to the Miami heat uh, over the off season. I had a chance to come by impact and, and he was working out with you every day. Uh, what have you seen from him so far as he kind of adjusts to this heat team and over the off season, what was his regimen like? And what were some of the focuses that you guys were putting in place?
0: Uh, well, you know, first of all, I was so happy Kyle went to Miami because as a guy who like loves training and loves the discipline. And I, you know, I love the Miami system, you know, and I have a lot of respect for Eric, uh, obviously Pat Riley and has built something down there, but just what they have down there and the way they, I guess the way they approach, uh, you know, their training and, you know, it's for a guy like me and, you know, I do Ironman stuff and everything too. So I'm into all that extra, yeah. extra training, you know, the <laughs> the running, the body fat, the nutrition, the whole thing. And, you know, they're at, they're at a high level. So when Kyle went down there, I was one. It was great to have him on such a good team. Um, and I just think it's a perfect situation for him with other good players. So, um, you know, I was really thrilled that he was down there. And I think that, you know, look, he's 36 now, 35, 36. And he's he's kind of, you know, in, in a situation where we have to be, I don't want to say careful. He's not, he's not hurt or anything. Um, you know, he's healthy and all that's good. But, you know, we just don't want to wear him out. Throughout the summer, so I think our approach was getting his body and like strong. Um, You know, Kyle is a is a a little different of a guy. You know, he can be difficult at times, but that's what makes him such a great player, right? And he's he's, the bulldog he is on the court. That's the kind of interaction we have on a daily basis. You know, (laughs) we're fighting on things, but listen, he is from Pilates to weightlifting to running extra. You know, nobody nobody works. Harder than Kyle. I'm not saying people don't work as hard, but he is a hard worker. So, what we did, Alex, we really put his body in a position showing up back in Miami where perfectly healthy. And I would say the way I like to say it is that, um, you know, in, in Ironman racing, you always keep yourself X amount of weeks away from a race, right? So, I wanted to keep Kyle like two, three weeks away, maybe a month away from Elite Fitness, because if we would have put him in Elite Fitness in August and September, You know, it's a long season for them, and I think they'll go a long way. So when he showed up in Miami, extremely ready to go in great shape. And I think right now he's kind of hitting his fitness stride. Um, And as you've seen, what a great team. You know, a great team, fun to watch, uh, well put together, and just a bunch of hard nosers, right? So he fits that well. But, yeah, with him, I mean, you know, when you take an all-star like Kyle, you don't don't rework anything, right? I mean, you just really kind of fine-tune what he's doing. Um, really getting him healthy fit and and working on some just keeping everything sharp, you know? So I, I think it's a great fit. Um, and again, I have so much respect for what the Heat do with, with their player development. You know, they, they're a team that keeps it pretty simple too. You know, there's not a ton of guys around there that work with players and, you know, you, you don't look behind the bench and see 14 people yeah. <laughs> sitting there, you know, it's like, you know, Eric keeps it pretty tight and, you know, of course, you know, Chris Quinn and Notre Dame guy, which I love is, is, uh, you know, Chris is great. So I just think that their whole operation, but yeah, with Kyle, he's, um he's ready to go. And I think he's going to, I think he's, ex- I don't see Kyle getting any slower yet, you know, which is awesome. You know, which he asked me all the time. I look slower. I said, no, you look, you look faster. So just keeping him there. Um, and I think he'll have a big season there this year. And I think he's finally right now getting all of his legs. This last West coast road trip, we played a ton of minutes with Jimmy out and, um, you know, some, some different guys out here and there. So he really, you know, stepped it up this road trip and I think he's ready to go now.
1: But, yeah, you man. know,
0: another guy, Alex, I've been working with since he was 19 years old. So, you know, we have a different kind of relationship than someone I'm just training.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's been amazing though, watching, you know, his, his career and, and just uh, like, I remember you and I talking years ago, whenever uh right before he really broke out and became an all-star and and you predicted it you were saying he's locked in I think I I think he like had left his honeymoon to go back to training and like had changed his diet and you're like this is the first time he's actually hired a nutritionist like you you know I remember you kind of planting some of those seeds like hey this breakout is coming uh so yeah it's been it's been amazing to watch just what he's done throughout his career and kind of the work you guys have done together and then also you know DeMar DeRozan's another player who right now playing out of his mind, uh, averaging almost a career high in points, uh, You know, maybe playing his best basketball. I've been really impressed with what we've seen from him in Chicago. I know he was there with Kyle. Uh, they're obviously best friends. They were training together in the offseason with you at Impact. Uh, what have you seen from, from DeMar, and, and what are your thoughts on kind of where he's at?
0: Well, and I get lucky with DeMar because he's kind of a throw-in with Kyle, right? He's just so good at what he does. You know what I mean? He, he plays at his own pace. Um, he's, he's always ready to, you know, like his, his regimen is always in shape, always working out. And, and what, what I think Demar's done such a great job in his career is do what he does, you know, not try to be anybody else uh, other than what he does. I and mean, he's really, there's, there's not many mid range scorers left in the world today, but he is at the high end of it, you know? And I think obviously he's on a great team too, with a, with a, a lot of talent and a lot of energy there. So you know, I just think that he's going to, again, these guys are getting older, but better, you know, and, and they're just taking care of themselves. You know, the, the attention they take to the detail with their body and their off season work load and their schedules is just really good. So, I, I mean, the bulls are exciting as I, I know, you know, from, from uh, watching and following everyone and they're, he just a great fit there too. But, but again, you look, you're talking about two guys that are so mature and such good dudes that they, and any trainer will tell you that eventually the person kind of, comes out and the person trumps the talent, you know, there's some super ultimately, you know, incredibly talented guys, but by the time you get to be 35, 36, if you don't have the work ethic and the personality, you're probably going to be out of the league, you know? So those guys are great. And, and DeMar was, you know, he's always a pleasure to work with and, and just so he's interesting because he's not really a drill guy. Right. So you almost have to put a defender on DeMar to get a little bit of a, um, you know, some guys, as we talked about earlier with guys who don't like to play, they'd rather drill. Right. So, it's with DeMar. He's really, really will drill, but man, you get a defender on him, like even a dummy defender. And it's like, it's like highlight reels. So Hmm. really a a joy to work with.
1: Another guy that I was watching closely uh, out in Vegas this past off season was Tyrese Halliburton. I like his game a lot. I think he has so much potential. He seems like a really nice kid too. Uh, What are your, what are your thoughts on kind of Tyrese's development and what have you been working on with him?
0: Well, he's a special player. Yeah. I mean, Tyrese, the first day he walked in the gym for pre-draft, we knew we had something different there. He's just a different kind of character. Um, he has a leadership quality to him. He has kind of the it factor, you know, that that many people in basketball will talk about um, with him. I mean, he, he's gotten stronger, but I think, you know, when he came in the draft, everyone was and this happens every year. Oh, he's, He's not strong enough he's this he's that and then as soon as he goes out and has the kind of rookie season he did nobody's nobody's saying anything about his strength right but i mean from his perspective he's he did a better job with his nutrition he knew he needed to step it up um he's you know gaining weight in an appropriate way so he's not losing his speed but just really a unique player alex i mean you know his shot kind of funky the way it is but man that sucker goes in he's he's unselfish um i think that it's challenging it's gonna not not challenging but i mean you know he's had to adjust they have obviously a lot of perimeter guys there that he's they're all working learning how to work together but with tyrese it's just getting better and everything i mean he's 21 years old so there's nothing you look at him and then you look at kyle i mean you know when 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 kyle was 15 tyrese was born so (laughs) (laughs) kind of a crazy thing and uh kyle and i were just talking about that too because with with as good as like he, he he was using john morant for an example who's just a you know phenomenal player a young guy and he was like you know but when you get up against 35 36 year olds like the miami team they just like put a shoulder into him and it's like <laughs> see mm-hmm. you later buddy but yeah that's that's what tyrese he just has to get get a little bit stronger and just keep getting better on everything but his his workouts are so pleasant because he can do it all you know he works his butt off he, he shoots deep threes you know shooting off the dribble for sure is one of his strengths and he's he's another guy that's just, you know, incrementally better every year puts him in the all-star game.
1: I know this varies from player to player. um, But when can you typically tell if a guy has what it takes to be a star? Like you mentioned Tyree showed up and you knew there was something special pretty early on. Um, There's other times when uh, a player is in the gym. Like I remember we talked about this uh, on this podcast before, but I remember being in the gym during Kawhi Leonard's pre-draft training. And even though Kawhi was really, really, really good, I remember like all the buzz among the draft experts and people that were in the gym was Alec Burks. And, you know, now you tell a fan that and they think you're crazy, but at the time, Alec Burks, you know, was being projected higher and uh, had, you know, it it was just that he was the guy that people were kind of talking about as being the upside play. I know it always varies. And I'm sure it's a case by case thing, but when can you typically tell that a guy has what it takes to be a star or has that kind of potential?
0: Yeah, I wish that I was recorded during the pre-draft when teams asked me about Kawhi because I look like a smart guy right now. (laughs) I mean, I I I told teams that I said I don't know if he's a two, a three, a four. I don't know what he is, but he's really good, you know. And that's really um, you can you can tell quickly. I think I think you can tell um, first of all their length and you know just their body size and all that kind of stuff. You can tell kind of how how long. I mean, how, what their potential is physically, you know, cause some guys are going to be limited with the fact that they're a smaller guy or, you know, whatever that might be. But I, I honestly, I think that the, the best answer if I had to pinpoint by the end of their second year, you mm-hmm. know, I think if you go into year three, that's when you're a star or not, you know, and I think that uh, very few guys like, you I mean, look at Kyle Lowry. I mean, he, he was, wasn't until his sixth, seventh year that he became the Kyle Lowry people watch today. So it, sometimes it takes a little longer um, but I, I really think you can find that special thing. I can tell like within maybe half an hour when they come in the gym. But I am wrong sometimes on that because sometimes they can fool you at the beginning. And sometimes guys don't show exactly their full package or their full personality early because they're quiet or whatever it might be. But yeah, yeah, I think I think by year three, that's when guys are hitting their you look at look at John Moran now. I mean, this is his, you know, his third season and he's he's taking it to that next level. You know, it's kind of the the progression that a lot of the stars in the league have taken
1: for sure no i can definitely vouch for that i know that you're very good at calling breakouts i i definitely have some uh smart tweets in my history that were told takes that were probably just completely taken from you uh because you've told me hey this guy's gonna break out or hey this guy had a really good off season and then i'm like oh well, i think this guy's gonna break out and then sure enough you make me look smart so i appreciate those but you um <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you too about uh, Chris Haps Porzingis because he's someone that, you know, has worked with you since he was going through pre-draft. It's been a long time. Uh, and obviously, you know, he's dealt with some injuries. Now uh, he's played, you know, several seasons in Dallas. I think, you know, he and Luca were trying to kind of figure things out as a one-two punch. What are your thoughts on what we've seen from his, you know, him as far as his development and where he kind of goes from here?
0: Well, I think, you know, with Chris and the, the, the right before he got injured in New York, he was like a a machine, right? He was double, double machine, putting up big numbers. The injury, that's a tough injury takes a long time. And I think with him, it's staying healthy, you know, and that's, people ask me all the time, like, what did you do with Kevin Garnett? You know, after 10 years, I said, we just kept him healthy. You know, I mean, that was, I mean, we did other things, but that was our primary focus. So I think with Chris, keeping him healthy. Um, I think that there's, you know, with, with Jason down there now kid and and the staff, they're figuring out ways to use all those guys, you know, together. It's a little bit of a interesting mix of guys and that, that they've got, obviously with Luca handling the ball and being as good as he is, um, it, you know, you have to play off of that a little bit down there. And I think, you know, in New York, when Chris was getting those big numbers, they were playing off of him. And of course, Luca is very deserving of them playing off of him, And that's certainly not, something i'm saying but i think he just needs to settle in you know he's a vet now he, his work ethic has continued if you watch chris work out you would you would and i think you probably have it's like you know it's like a like a machine you know boom, boom, boom. you know he just he has no issue with his approach no issue with the strength training he's just a tall dude at 73 um who's had some different injuries that he's got to stay through but i think that once they click it down there and I think the last couple games, they've clicked a lot better. You know, the Dallas is, has put together a couple good games in a row now where him and Luca are both getting where they want to, where they want to get. But, you know, he's just such a talent and so big, you know, that they, they'll find, they'll, he'll figure out a way, but we just got to, he's got to make sure he stays healthy
1: I remember last time you were on the the podcast, uh, you compare. You said that when you started working out with uh, Porzingis, that uh, he reminded you of KG because of the intensity of the workouts, and you know it kind of brought you back to working out KG. I think that surprised some people because they don't get to see him in that environment and and see what happens behind the scenes. But um, you've said that you know that there's some similarities there, right?
0: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, they're just they're just so locked in when they start working out. It's um, it's good. It's just fun to be around. Yeah, for sure. Chris has that same intensity and approach. I mean, KG is probably always a little bit off the charts in terms of, <laughs> I think they broke the mold when they made him, but, <laughs> but it's uh, he yes, it did remind me a lot. And he, he has an amazing work ethic and approach to every time he gets on the floor.
1: And do you think it's beneficial for KP to have Jared Dudley on that staff now, someone who's been with him and for many different off seasons and kind of knows how he works. And I mean, I'm not sure, I don't know if they have a relationship. I don't know how Close, they are or anything, but I mean, I, I'd imagine that you know it can't hurt, and, and probably you know could potentially help him. Do you think having Jared there is something that's good for him?
0: Oh yeah, I mean, Jared's good for everybody. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. He's a, and he has a relationship with everybody, right? As you know from from the years. So I think so. Yeah, I think it's just great to have you know someone like Jared on on the staff for all the guys, but especially for Chris that you know knows him, knows where he's come from, seen him when he was. I mean, remember, Chris came to us before his last year in uh sevilla and, and spain you know so he was known to the impact family uh, the year before he entered the draft you know so yeah i think it goes back a little bit with him and and I, I don't think you know i think with chris it's again staying healthy finding his rhythm in the game and i think he'll be fine
1: and then last thing for you, you know, one thing that I always love when, when I'm at Impact is uh, you have these star players. You have Kyle Lowry on one court, DeMar DeRozan. You never know who's going to show up. But because you do pre-draft training every year, you always have these, you know, young players that are coming through, that next wave of players that seem like they could be great because uh, they do the pre-draft and they keep coming back each year. So it's always a nice mix of veterans and young players. Who are some of the young guys that have stood out to you uh, and really impressed you in recent years uh, and that continue to work with you?
0: Well, I think, you know, Halliburton is one for sure. We talked about Tyrese um, and, and in his draft. I had a good crew. I had, you know, Zeke Naji, who had a big game for Denver the other night. And, you know, Zeke is a 20 year old kid who's playing behind Jermichael Green and, and Jeff Green and some vets and, and a guy named Jokic who's pretty good too. So, you know, they're just Denver loves Zeke. And, you know, Jokic was out the other night when he was suspended and Zeke came in and had 19 points. You know, it's a, I think he's a promising young player, um josh green who i mentioned earlier who's down in dallas again sitting behind some really good veteran players that but they're they're you know developing and coming on these guys are all 20 it actually josh's birthday today he's 21 so i don't know he might be out right now to celebrate. <laughs> um i think and you know anyone who knows me and knows my story and me personally knows that Zaire williams for memphis is a kid that played high school basketball with my son so i've known z since he's been 14 and you know he stayed in my house in Vegas for summers at a time. And, you know, he's just, he's, he's just very, very close to me. And I think a special talent, you know, obviously Memphis did too, by picking him 10th, you know, he's playing 18 to 22 minutes a game with a very talented young crew. And I, I believe Alex that he can be, you can tweet this out maybe in, not yet, but in a year we <laughs> you can market that, you know, I think he can be that third guy, you know, nothing against Dylan Brooks, who's an awesome player and those guys, but I mean, with, yeah. with Grant and Jaron Jackson, you know, Zaire is almost 6'10" ultra skilled, just turned 20, you know, uh, in September. And again, a player that I have a long, long relationship with because of, uh, you know, his relationship with my son and my ability to be around at every one of his high school games. And people think Zaire is a Sierra Canyon kid, which he, he did go to Sierra one year, but he went to Notre Dame high school for the first three in Sherman Oaks, where my son went. So, um, you know, I think those, those guys are really, really good. Malachi Flynn's another guy who, you know, you know, and yeah you've seen him who isn't getting a ton of minutes right now in Toronto, but you know, with me being, you know, old, I don't say old, but older, I, I I'm more into finding those young guys that, um, you know, I could go chase around current all-stars and, you know, travel with them and things like that. Not, I'm not throwing names around, but I mean, I could do that. But I'd, I'd rather put my time into Josh and Zeke and Zaire and Tyrese and, and let these guys, you know, when they're 23, 24, to grow into the players, that Billups and Lowry and Prince became, you know, because people don't remember, you know, Chauncey got traded six times. And there's two sides to that. One, somebody wanted to get rid of him, but two, somebody wanted him. Right. So, you know, it wasn't until Terrell Brandon broke his leg in Minnesota when Chauncey got his chance to play minutes. And after that, he's, he became Chauncey Billups. That's the coach of the trailblazers now. And, you know, MVP of the finals and, and Kyle, you know, got shipped off from Memphis shipped to Houston, Houston didn't want him. They shipped him here, you know, so I love that part of being able not only to train those young players, but um, physically, but also, you know, let them know, look, this is a, you know, in, in my sport in Ironman, this is a marathon, you know, that, you know, you're, if you're leading after the swim in my sport, you're, you're in trouble because you got a bike and a, and a run to go. So, you know, let keeping these guys mentally focused to stay in it. And again, I think the older you get anyone, you know, the more cerebral it gets and and you get you start figuring things out you know like where do these guys heads need to be to you know get where they want to go okay you're you're you know zeke's perfect example is zeke the other night played for Jokic, 19 points i don't don't mean i think he had eight boards he was phenomenal you know it was actually like it was like a movie you know he hit three and you know uh, bones highland was hitting him on dunks and and then he got a dnp you know the next game because um, Jokic was back, you know, and they're not going to—he's not going to play ahead of Jeff Green or Jamichael Green. And you know, I talked to their coaching staff, Jordy Fernandez, who's former Impact guy, uh, who was a great friend of mine. Jordy was actually my host when I went to Spain to train Rudy Fernandez a long time ago. Remember mm. Rudy, who was in the draft? Yeah. And Jordy said, "Look, Zeke did everything right. You know what I mean? Everything. He was—he was a soldier. He came out. He did his job. We won the game, shorthanded without without Porter, Murray, and Jokic." And then he gets a DNP. So, you know, teaching these guys how to deal with that is sometimes maybe more valuable than, Hey, you know, you your, your elbow is out on your jump shot. We do that stuff too, but you know, with Zaire, you know, being playing 20 minutes a game, you know, he's young. It's just right now. He's I'm say he's getting tired, but you know, how do you manage your day? How do you make sure you get your rest? How do you, you know, are you getting enough work done on your body? Are you eating the right way? You know, this is something that only, someone like me who has been through it for 25 years, you know, I've seen these guys hit the wall, you know, you guys, I've seen guys, you know, uh, that didn't get minutes early, who just took a bad attitude, you know, and I've seen other guys who stayed with it and they became an all star, you know, so those are the type of things with that young crew that I really treasure. And uh, I think is probably not a big enough part of player development.
1: I totally agree. I think the mental side of it, and you're basically there, you know, you're you're part of their support system. So and it's so important. I do have one more question on that on on that same note. If a player is going through a really bad slump, and they're in their own head, like right now, Not to like call him out, but like Damian Lillard right now is really struggling shooting. You know, thirty something percent from the field, twenty percent from three. You know, he's adjusting to the officiating, and you can tell that's bothering him. But he's also missing open shots that he normally makes. If a guy that you're working with is going through a really bad slump, what do you do as is the trainer? You know, are you flying out to put up shots with them? Are you sending? I know I've talked to some people that you know they'll send like encouraging videos of like when things were falling and try to get their confidence back up. What's the approach if a guy's going through a bad? slump
0: yeah i think a combination of all that first of all i do go out i would go out for sure you know um whenever kyle's shooting matter of fact i met kyle in dallas um a few weeks ago and we shot we did some work before their mavericks game that he went six for nine because you know as he's publicly said him and him and duncan had been shooting the ball pretty poorly you know uh, up until then and it was funny because kyle's a great example because we we Uh, Coach has said to me after, like, you know, I'm glad he's back in rhythm and, you know, glad maybe you can be joking saying maybe you can meet us next time or whatever. And I said, sometimes guys just just need a familiar conversation, you know. So Mm -hmm. I think that the reason you find, you know, someone would say, well, why would they need you to come in? They have all those coaches. But, you know, I've been with Kyle Lowry for 16 years. So it's also, and you know, Alex, this game and every coach would say, a lot of the shooting is mental, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't have anything to do with Damian Lillard in terms of his development, but I would imagine that he doesn't not know how to shoot the ball. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not that his elbow is out or his, you know what I mean? Like or yeah, he's yeah. twitching his left hand or the guy shot the ball a zillion times. It's more of a, uh, a, a rhythm. When I was training Derek Fisher back in the day, we used to call it rhythm shooting, you know, where you come in and you just get your body and mind in a rhythm, you know? And that's, it's like, you can only do, you can do it for 20 minutes. So, I would do that. I would come in and do some stuff with them. I would definitely send videos of when they were making it. You know, I think that sometimes that's a little bit over obvious, you know, on how to get them in there. Like, well, I know I can make a shot, but it's just a matter of shooting the ball for guys who can shoot is a, is a mental thing. You know, it's a confidence issue. It's something that, um, you know, really from my perspective, I work more on the confidence side than I work on the form. Now I I did see when I sent Kyle, like uh, maybe six, clips of him shooting the ball right before I saw him in Dallas and he, I, I felt that his hips were rotated a little bit that his left foot wasn't getting so I, I took his makes and I showed his foot positioning and hip positioning and I took his misses and showed the same and, mm-hmm. and you know he agreed that his left foot was back a little bit and even if that wasn't the real like the exact reason it was something for him to focus on right yeah so he moved his, you know something for him to think about and say oh I gotta move my left foot here and, and then he started shooting the ball better you know so it, it's a um a solution a combination of all of
1: it yeah no that makes sense uh well look i could pick your brain for hours i love hearing your stories and i love you know all, all the uh the information that you have you've worked with so many great players over the years and uh you know you're someone that again helped create this player development space so i always love breaking things down with you and i appreciate you joining me thank you so much for your time
0: you got it alex always good to talk to you
1: Everyone, make sure you check out impactbball.com. They have tons of programs and you can find all the information that you need about Impact Basketball at impactbball.com. It's a fantastic site and you can see all the players that Joe's worked with too. It's it's pretty remarkable. There's so many of these guys when, that when you walk into Impact Basketball, there's every player that trains there has a jersey that's hanging up on the wall. So you're just surrounded by all of these crazy big name players and their jerseys everywhere. So it's a really cool environment. Definitely check that out, impactbball.com. And if you guys want to hear more episodes of this podcast, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And until next time, thanks for listening.